Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Sunday edition of Mariners Talk. I am your host, Mike, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan, who was not here the last time in the podcast, but is now here uh, joining me again. Dan, how are we doing today? Good. How are you? Um, I am doing very well. So how about the Mariners this week, huh? It was up and down week, I've got to say. Yeah. So... Tonight on the podcast, we are going to have a special guest joining us, uh, not right now, but uh, uh, we will have him joining us probably around 7.45, 8 o'clock. Uh, I've already made this guy, already uh, talked to him about it, but we will have Mariners' third-round draft pick, Braden Bishop, who is out of the University of Washington, uh, joining us on the show tonight, and uh I tell you one thing, Dan. I'm actually really excited to do this because here's the here's a very interesting thing. This is going to mark my third consecutive year of getting a Mariners draft pick on the show. That's pretty impressive. I mean, some shows don't give draft picks or even players, but it seems like you have a pretty good rep so far. Yeah, for being a nonprofit uh, podcast. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the Mar- the. Uh, Mariners. Um, first off, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the Giants series, which um, was actually pretty good. Had it, had it time lows. Uh, by the way, tonight's uh, highlights uh, are brought to you by both cons- both Root Sport and the Seattle Mariners. I don't own any of the highlights or audio. From it. Um, I just wanted to make that clear. But again, Dan, we get into the first game this week. Mariners. Beat the Giants five to one. Taiwan Walker seven innings, one run, six days, no walks, seven. Minutes. Now, Dan, I'm pretty sure you know this, but since day one on Twitter, and not just Twitter, but all around, you know, since day one, I have 
done nothing but support Taiwan Walker. Everyone has jumped off the bandwagon, but look what he has done this season. He had a bad time. He had a really rough time at the beginning, and now look what he's doing. He has managed to look like the pitcher that people really expected him to be, and I would just have to say I'm I'm proud of Ty. I'm prou- I'm really proud of Taiwan Walker because he has done exceedingly well, and to to pitch the way that he has coming off a very rough start is just very impressive. And by the way, the Everett Aqua Sox just won uh, the game nine to one, so Braden Bishop should be joining us here uh, in a little bit. But again, let's get back to this game, Dan. Your take on the five to one win by the Mariners against the Giants and Taiwan Walker's uh, impressive start. Taiwan Walker, I think he's, this month of June he's getting better. And to pitch against this well against the team who won the World Series last year, this was a really rough start for him. And he went out there, pitched seven innings, gave only one run and struck out six. And he's just looking fantastic now. I mean, his fastball is working well for him. His change-ups working well. Hopefully, he's going to start improving on his breaking pitches, though. But offensive-wise, I thought Austin Jackson looked good. I mean, he scored. He brought in two runs. I mean, coming back from the DL, he looked very strong. And in that game against the Giants, where they won five to one, he just looked as impressive as he's been since coming back from the DL. Yeah, he has. He's he's been nothing great. And uh, let's go ahead and play a quick clip. Um, is Mayor's uh, clip? It's a little over a minute, minute and a half. So a clip of Taiwan Walker's start from uh, that Giants game. Here you go. Taiwan Walker, three and six record, a five point four zero ERA, sixty strikeouts over the sixty five innings that he has worked. One two. Trusting his fastball more 
and he's mixing his pitches a lot better because I noticed that he was not using his fastball a lot, and he was not really sure of his fastball at the beginning of the season. But now, you look at what he's doing now. He's firing 95 to 97 miles an hour, and he's trusting his fastball. And that is what has been perhaps the key to Taiwan Walker's success for over the past couple over the past over the past two months. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like a young Felix out there right now with a great fastball, but it looks like he's learning to work on his control and command a lot faster than Felix has. I mean, this is Walker's second season. I mean, he didn't have a full season last year, and I mean, he, he's looking brilliant out there. I mean, th- this guy is impressive, and I'm so happy we did not trade him in the off season. If he's having a great, I mean, he had a rough start to the year, but now he's looking really well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we have another call. We have another caller in. Uh, who's who's calling in right? Hello. Got a good bar to go to. <laughs> Oh, uh, looks like we got a. Uh, uh, who's the caller right now? All right, I guess we're gonna have that caller on mute. Not sure who was calling in, but uh, we. Uh, uh, so uh, Braden just uh, uh, messaged me on Twitter. He says that he, uh, he just got done with the game. He's gonna shower up and then he. Um, He'll let it, he'll let me know when he's going to call in, uh, but I'll let him know that he can call in around eight. But uh, but yeah, so again, the Mariners in this one go win five to one, and they are able to. Uh, and again, Taiwan Walker pitches a gem of a game, another one. Um, and uh, Kyle Seager he actually hits he actually hits his eleventh home run of the year in the eighth inning, uh, that put the Mariners lead. To four to one, and let me go ahead and pull up uh, Kyle Seager's home run. And Seager's been playing with—he's been playing at the at the all-star level that we know that he can that he can play at. And here is the highlight of Kyle Seager's home run. So there you have it. Kyle Seager's 11th home run of the season puts the Mariners lead up to four to one. And then in the ninth inning, uh, Austin Jackson gets an RBI single uh, to pad the lead at uh, five to one. Uh, the bull, the bullpen in this one uh, had Mark Lowe getting his fourth hold of the year. Goes one inning, strikes out two. And then you got Charlie Furbers coming in in the ninth. No runs, no hits, no errors. Uh, one strikeout in that end of the ball game. So. First off, Dan, what I mean, what was your take on this game particularly, and the fact that you know we we saw the Mariners do so well against the uh, the reigning World Series World Champion uh, San Francisco Giants. I mean, what was your take on this game and the fact that Taiwan Walker pitched so effectively against this team? I mean, that's what I thought was 
was the highlight of this game is that Tywin Walker went out and he pitched hit. I mean, he pitched effectively against the reigning World Series champion uh, San Francisco Giants. I was impressed with this kid. Yeah, it was a definitely a well-deserved win and a much-needed win in the series. I mean, they only played two games in San Francisco, and they they won one of them, and this is the game they won. And Walker definitely the whole offensive, defensive-wise, and pitching-wise, this team did what they needed to do against a tough team. Walker went out there lights out. Low and Furbush were lights out. The offense scored five runs, which you don't see every night. The team had no errors. I mean, and the team only left. The only the team only left was two for eleven in runners in scoring position. I mean, they still scored with runners on thanks to Kyle Seager's home run, which was pretty key. But they, they won a game that they needed to win. I mean, they're down kind of far in the division, and they just have to keep winning games like this against these tough teams and. If they're able to do it like they were that game, I mean, it's wonderful because this win was just great overall. I mean, it's something they needed, and they did it, and they per- and their game plan worked perfect, and they perfected the game, and they won. Oh, they, oh, I, I agree full-heartedly. They, they went out, and they dominated. Uh, but the following night, uh, <laughs> and here's what I find, and here's what I find um, hilarious is that uh, is that the UW, the former UW uh, prospect Tim Lincecum goes out and he pitches a gem against the Mariners and uh, the Giants win six to two but J A Happ just not really uh, not really pitching the way that he should have been pitching not really pitching he, he's just not been pitching well I can't really find the words but um, you know, he just went out and did not pitch the way that we are used to him pitching, and he has yet to get another. He has yet to have a quality start um, in a long time. He goes six innings, gives up seven hits, three runs, all earned, two walks, five strikeouts. But Tim Lincecum goes five and two thirds of innings, five hits, two runs, all earned, four walks, three strikeouts. So. But the bullpen for the Giants is what uh, really shut the Mariners down. They did not allow a single hit in the two innings that in the two innings that they pitched. But uh, uh, Tim Wilhelmson or Tom Wilhelmson just did not have it today, and he was um, and he was just terrible in this one. I mean, he gives a t- uh, three runs, all earned, two walks, and a strikeout. And the Mariners lose six to two. Dan, your take on uh, that game and what went, what went totally wrong with the Mariners that day? I mean, it was another case of leaving runners on base. They left eight on, not executing. Only two runs they scored, and the the pitching just did not get it done. I mean, the Mariners are mostly known for pitching, and half over the last couple starts, especially this start. He gave up too many. He let, he first of all he left too many runners on base. He left too many runners on base. He allowed, he only pitched six innings and he allowed seven hits and two walks, and that's why the three runs scored. He he didn't execute it, his game plan efficiently as he should have, and he gave up the runs. 
Wilhelmsen just was not the bartender like we know him of and gave up three runs and only pitched an inning. I mean, the the pitching, I mean, I mean the offense was poorly, not scoring enough runs, but the pitching just didn't help out their offense at all. You you cannot win games giving up six runs. You cannot expect your offense to score seven runs a night. It's just, it's not, it's not what's ideal. I mean, four to five runs a night maybe, but seven no. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, again, this was a poor performance, and again, the Mariners just could not get any hits. That was the main thing. I mean, here's the thing: the Mariners go down two to nothing after the bottom of the first inning, but they come back, score one in the fifth, so they're now down a run. They ele- they give up another run in the bottom of the fifth, so they're down three one. Get a run back in the sixth, but then they could not figure out the bullpen after that, and they were and th- and then. To make it worse, Tom Wilhelmsen comes in and gives up three more runs, and that just put everything that just put the whole game out of uh, reach for the Mariners. Yeah, Tom. I mean, Matt Duffy's had a good year for the Giants, but Tom Wilhelmsen should have definitely pitched better, and he didn't. I mean, he was pretty shaky, and as a reliever, you are going to have some rough catches during a season, but something like this is just the team out of possible winning. I mean, you can't do this type of thing. And Tom let the team down, and they they had the top of the ninth to try and score four runs to at least tie it up. And you you can't you can't expect a team to score four runs in one inning. It's it's not on probably it's not on the it's not on the right side that they're going to tie up a game in one inning with four runs to score. No, exactly. Uh, the one good thing out of this is that uh, Fernando Rodney comes in and inning pitches a perfect inning, no runs, no hits, uh, no strikeouts. But again, he comes in and gets, you know, a good perfect inning, and uh, and that was the one good thing to take out of this game. And Dan, definitely, it's it's good to see that Fernando Rodney is getting his command back. But again, you know, seeing. I think Rodney can still work on some things, but again, it's it's good to see that he is truly uh, finding ways to get his command back. That's the one good thing that we can take out of this game. Yeah, we need Rodney to be a, not only he's not the closer, we need him to be a dominant setup middle of the middle of the game type of pitcher. I mean, this team needs as much bullpen as they can get right now, and if Rodney can figure his stuff out. He's definitely going to be a key, even though he's not collecting the saves. Anything anything valuable we can get out of Rodney at this point will just help the team even more. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, getting on to the next game, the Mariners uh, end their two-game uh, road trip to San Francisco, which here's the thing. I think it's really odd to see these uh, quick two-game series, you know, at a National League ballpark and then come – uh, right back home to play two more games. Uh, I'm not really understanding that. But, uh, but uh, again, here's uh, getting on to this game. Mariners come home, and what a just what a matchup this was. Felix Hernandez, the Mariners' ace or the Mariners' king, going against the San Francisco Giants' ace in Madison Bumgarner, who pitched. Who pitched every inning for the for the Giants? He he went a full complete game, 
for the Mariners, eight innings, gave up four hits, two runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, but Felix was beyond amazing in this game. He And here's the thing. He's coming, up, he's coming off a game where he gave up he didn't he didn't even get out of the first inning. And here's the thing. I think Felix went out and he was pitching bad. He was pitching pit, he was pissed off. He was pitching like he was pissed off. And guess what? He delivered for the Mariners. 8 innings, 4 hits, no runs, 5 Ks. But this game could have gone either way. And here is the highlight in which the Mariners were able to secure Felix's fir- win and make him the first 10-game winner in baseball. One out, the Nino is first. And a 2-1 pitch. Right center field, got a lot of carry. We got it. He got it. The Nino is going in second. He gets the third. Getting the wave off. Here's the throw to the plate. It will. Okay, now right there, Dan, uh, first off, I'm laughing at Angel Pagan because he actually did pull his glove back. It looked like he was scared to catch that, but, I mean, you need to give the most credit to Mike Zanino, who avoided the tag from Buster Posey, and what an amazing slide that he put to avoid the tag. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, hustling and the way Zanino avoided that tag, it was unbelievable. I mean. Some guys will get tagged out, but Zanino just, you know, just avoided that tag, and he found a way to score and help Felix and help the team overall. It was a great move by Zanino and a, a great hit by Ajax too. You can't forget about that. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not going to uh, not give uh, any credit to uh, Austin Jackson. I mean, Austin Jackson, great hit, and then the following batter in Robinson Cano. Uh, really helped out Felix Hernandez. And here's the highlight. Robbie Cano coming through for the Mariners in this one. Uh, Cano going one for three in this game with an RBI. Um, and, and Dan, it looks like Robbie Cano during this homestand has actually kind of found his uh, – a little bit of a swing. He, it looks like he might have found it. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks pretty good over these last seven games. I mean, he's in 280 with three RBIs. It looks like hopefully he will be coming back to what he we know him as. I mean, right now he's been struggling all season long, and we definitely need him to make an impact on this team and drive in runs because that's why he's here. Yeah, it's exactly why he's here. But again, you know, this was this was truly a game where um, you just could not um, 
to to be truly honest, I think this was uh, this was a game in which you know whoever scored the first run was going to win. And boy, when the Mariners scored that run, I knew for us, I had a feeling, had a real gut feeling that the Mariners had this game because I knew Felix was going to go a long way, and he did go eight innings, able to get the bullpen with Furbush comes in, goes two two thirds of an inning, uh, no runs, no hits, no errors, one strikeout, and then Carson Smith comes in, gets one out, and gets his third save. Um, didn't really understand why. Lloyd McClendon decided to, to 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 bring in Carson Smith, but again he gets the save, third save of the season. Um, uh, so and and your take on uh, the bullpen in this game as well in their uh, inning of work. I, I thought the bullpen did great. I mean they hold that two nothing lead. They both pitchers got a strikeout. They, they avoided a runner at least attempting to run the first base. I mean, or it was great. I mean, it helped Felix. Felix definitely needed some sort of momentum after last week in Houston, that awful start. So, the for, but the combo Furbus and Smith was pretty, pretty impressive and pretty great. I mean, you expect these guys to hold games, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, definitely. And uh, here, and before we go on to uh, Felix Hernandez's highlight, let's go ahead and listen to uh, Carson Smith's strikeout of of uh, uh, Matt Duffy to end the ball game and secure the Mariners' second win over the Giants. There you go. Carson Smith gets uh, Duffy to strike out, and then and now here's the highlight that I think a lot of people want to hear. It is Felix Hernandez's eight innings of work against the Giants, and here it is. Opponent's hitting just 208 against Felix. Side, Lobo's there. And Felix. 
So there you go. There's Felix's Hernandez's highlight of his eight innings. And, Dan, I want to ask you a question. I mean, Felix is only at 106 pitches. And I do have to ask you this. If you were the manager in that spot, would you go up to Felix and ask him, hey, do you want to go – do you want to go out for the ninth inning, or do you, or are you done? Oh, definitely. I mean, Felix has already pitched two complete game shutouts this year. He could have had a third one. I mean, we know he can pitch a shutout. I think he should have got a shot, but but I mean, it was Lloyd's decision, and still got the win. But I mean, Felix, if Felix would have went out there, I would have. I definitely would have thought he would have closed out the game. Yeah. Definitely. Um, now going, now moving on to the final game of the series, uh, Mike Montgomery, who has been nothing but phenomenal, uh, goes set in the third inning, uh, loses the game, gives up four uh, runs. The Mariners team could not get anything going. Only three hits or five hits. And I will say this: If it was not for uh, not for Brad Miller's messing up a, a sure double play, and I mean a sure double play, I think the game would be a lot different. Because if, on the double play in which uh, Miller messed up is when the Giants scored their first runs, they were able to score two more runs in a three-run second inning, and they scored four more in the eighth inning. But in the eighth, in the eighth inning, Tom Wilhelmson comes on, um, gives up two two runs. Hamill then comes in for the last two for the for the last two outs and gives up, an, and gives up another one and walks one. So both Tom Wilhelmson and Joe Bimal have not been as sharp as they have uh, not been very sharp since uh, from last year. I mean they've been terrible this year. Um, but again, this was just a very, very poor performance from everybody, Mariners-wise, except for Mike Montgomery. Montgomery, he pitched a great game. Mariners could have gotten him if the Mariners could have actually gotten him some runs. I think he would. I think it would have been a lot more. I think it would have been a lot more different outcome. Uh, Dan, your take on that? Yeah, I think if Miller would have made that play, and <coughs> Miller would have turned the double play. At the top of the second, I think that definitely would have saved Montgomery from allowing those runs to score. And this game overall was just a poor, poor performance from everyone on the Mariners team. They only mustered five hits and four walks, struck out eight times. They were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. And Will Holmson and Bymol just continue to struggle and well, Holmes didn't even pitch an inning. At least Bimo got two two outs. I mean, both both those guys struggled. I mean, the only highlight out of the bullpen was Vito Nuno, who pitched a shutout inning and got a strikeout. Yeah, definitely. 
moving on to the next game, which was uh, – I actually attended this game. Uh, Fireworks night and Star Wars night at Safeco Field this last Friday. Mariners beat the Astros, open up the series to the Astros, beat them 5-2. to two. And what was really impressive was this. First pitch of the game. Exactly the first pitch of the game. George Springer hits a towering 407-foot home run off Rowenis Elias. Elias had a little bit of a trouble in the first inning, but after that, Rowenis Elias was nothing but perf- near perfect. Seven innings, four hits, two runs. Both the runs he gave up were home runs to both Gonzalez and Springer, and ten strikeouts. This kid was nothing but amazing. And here are the highlights from when it, from Rowan Elise's 10 strike performance. Finally happened. I mean, 
Ricky Weeks should have been going before Ruggiano, but I guess he wasn't. And it's finally happened. I mean, we've been boasting about this for, like, probably a month now. And finally the front office decided, hey, you know what? We have a a very poor-performing player here, and we should let him go. Yeah, I agree. And, again, you know, I should have happened a long time ago. Uh, getting back to this fight uh, from the Mariners, um, Robson can know in this game, no RBIs, but go for or three for four with a double and, you know, two runs scored. Nelson Cruz, two for two in the game, an RBI. But how about Mark Trumbo in the game? One for th- one for four and three RBIs. I mean, he got some productive outs in this, in this game. I was really impressed by Mark Trumbo. Yeah, Mark Trumbo looked good in the series throughout, but th- this game, he came up big for the Mariners. Finally, Mark Trumbo came up big and helped score three runs. With a, with a single, with a with an RBI ground out, there was another RBI ground out, and those were three big runs because the Mariners won five to two, and if they didn't have those three runs, they would then it's two two. But I mean, those three runs, no matter what, those three runs help win the game. And Mark Trumbull finally did what Jaxie traded him for, and it made me pretty happy inside to know that. We got something finally out of Mark Trumbo, and I hope now he goes on a tear and starts doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, definitely. And uh, But in this game, uh, Mike Zanino goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. And I will say this. I actually booed Mike Zanino every time he struck out because, for one thing, um, I'm truly sick of Mike Zanino. This is a professional hitter in Mike Zanino, and... He is hitting like a junior high kid would bat against a major league pitcher. I mean, it's just pathetic to watch him go up and do this. Yeah, I mean, over, yeah, I mean, I mean, now that Howard Johnson's gone, maybe Edgar can give him a patient approach, but seriously, he should have had a patient approach before. He, this guy has no play discipline whatsoever. He will swing at anything. I mean, the ball can dribble in the dirt five times in front of him, and he'll still swing thinking he can hit it 400 feet into Edgar's Renteria in the left field or the pen in center field. I mean, it's ridiculous how much this guy does not take pitches. I mean, and that's why he strikes out. He, He doesn't work the counts or anything. He just goes out there and hack and flashes like he's playing a Bastion on his Mac or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, getting on to the uh, uh, the bullpen, Mark Lowe and both Carson Smith come in, throw perfect innings, but Carson Smith gets his fourth save of the season. And I will say this: we're, we're going to talk. Actually, we'll save this for uh, when we get, when we come back from the first break, right after we get up uh, done with the weekly roundup. But let's go ahead and get on to. Uh, the next day with the Mariners winning 6-3 to three over the Astros, um, going against Dallas Keuchel, who has been nothing but awesome, uh, amazing this season, and the Mariners tee off on him. The day that Howard Johnson is fired as the Mariners' hitting coach, Edgar Martinez comes in and replaces him. The Mariners draw four walks in one inning. 
Mike Zanino, he drew a very impressive walk. So did Brad Miller. That gave Austin Jackson a chance to drive in a, drive in a run. He he actually walked in one. So did Brad Miller. He walked in one. And, of course, Nelson Cruz, uh, let's go ahead and play him, finally homers and ends his streak of 82, 83 consecutive at-bats without a home run. Here's uh, the home run that basically put the Mariners in the lead. So there you have it, Nelson Cruz with his uh, with his home run. But then let's go ahead and listen to basic to the player of the game, Taiwan Walker. Here's the highlights from his night. And for Taiwan this year, looking for his fifth win. He ERA down to a five. But again, he got off to a tough start this year. Taiwan Walker goes out, pitches a career night. Six and a third of an inning, three runs allowed, five hits, and a career-high 11 strikeouts. Dan, this kid is nothing but amazing. He has just pr- he has proven that he is truly ready to show everyone that he is the pitcher that they wanted him to be. I mean, just an amazing performance by Taiwan Walker. I definitely agree. Mike, this is the best game I've ever seen Walker throw, even better than than that game against the Indians at home. I mean, this was another unbelievable performance by Taiwan Walker. And it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. I mean, you can't even look back and say how bad his April and May were. It's all about now. He looks so different now. And you want to know why? Because he has confidence in his fastball and his changeup. He has confidence in his pitches overall. You saw those last two months. He, I mean, his head was what was the issue. I mean, he, he looked, he didn't look 
good out there. Like, he looks worried and frightened, but now he's going out there and just saying, hey, what the heck, I'm just going to throw this out there. And I mean, my stuff is good, and I know my stuff is good. I just have to execute. And he's been executing, and the results have been top of the line. He has. He's been unbelievable. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm just going to say this. I don't think it was a coincidence when Edgar became the hitting coach but on the night that Edgar Martinez becomes the new Mariners hitting coach, this happens. Bravo, a fielder's choice in a strikeout tonight. Hard hit to the gap, left center. This is gone. Third home run tonight for the Mariners, and for Mark Trumbo, number one is the Seattle Mariners. So there you have it. Mark Trumbo hits his first home run as a Mariner. And, again, Dan, I, I, I don't think it was just coincidence. The night that Edgar Martinez becomes the new Mariners hitting coach, the Mariners show patience up at the plate, including Mike Zanino. I will say this, including Mike Zanino. Every single batter showed amazing plate discipline, but... Mark Trumbo finally hits the first Trumb bomb of the season, and that's what I think a lot of Mariner fans were waiting for. They were waiting to see that one. Yeah, I mean, I've read about this plenty of times, but it's tough to go from, I've heard it's tough to go from a team, and then in the middle of the season you get traded to a new team and you have to adjust to their game plans, to their practices, to their coaching staff. I mean... To their to their field and team playing and how they play the team, and Edgar came in and he improved this whole lineup as a whole. He he got them to take the first pitch like Edgar does and work the counts. I mean, we've seen plenty of times this season these guys do not work the counts, and that's the one thing I guess Howard Johnson didn't want the team to do is work counts and. It's something you got to do in baseball, especially in the big. You have to work the counts, especially against pitchers like Dallas Keuchel, who are top-of-the-line starters and know these hitters, know how to pitch effectively against these hitters. And these guys went out and they fooled Keuchel, and they made him realize, well, now now i got to adjust my game plan the next time I go out and face the Seattle Mariners because – They've changed, and Edgar helped this great change. And now he has to go to the video room, watch the tape over and over and over again to see how can I now make – now that these guys are going to fight the counts, how do I prepare myself to be able to realize how, – how do I prepare myself to be able to get ahead in the counts when I know – that they're going to test me and put me in a pressure situation now, knowing that I have to be my best and I can't fool these guys because now instead of having no play discipline, they're going to be looking for me. They're going to be looking for me to throw them their pitch and look for me to also throw pitches to get them a walk. Yep, definitely, definitely. Um, we are going to go into our first break of the night. 
Uh, when we do come back, we're going to get just a tiny bit into today's loss for the Mariners, but, we are, but we're going to discuss about Carson Smith before Braden Bishop comes on the show, and we'll talk about that for about maybe t- 10 minutes or so. So we'll take a quick short break, and we'll be right back.
are back here on Mariners Talk. It is uh, 7.51. We got a little time before Braden Bishop comes on to the show for his interview. And uh, first off, Dan, I, I saw that you uh, you actually liked the choice of music that I did for Matchbox 20. I actually uh, heard that song while I was working uh, on, our, uh, on our radio that we have there at the store. So I figured... Uh, it's been a while since I heard that one. I was like, hey, this is a great song to put on the podcast. It's probably been a week since I've heard that song. <laughs> I'm a big Matchbox 20 fan, so. <laughs> well, uh, either way you look at it, you know, I did uh, decide to put it on put it on uh, for the show, so we do. So we got that. So um, uh, getting on to uh, before Braden comes on the show, uh, getting on to the topic that we were going to discuss, uh, first off, the Mariners lose six to two today. Um, I don't really want to get into it because it, it's it's just it's it was a game that we kind of really do want to forget. But I mean, first off, I want to put out the positives, and it was the first inning for the Mariners, uh, putting out uh, five, uh, put or making the Astros pitcher throw forty three pitches. And uh, he's he, and it was very interesting to uh, to to basically you know to to listen to our hitters actually take pitches like that. I mean, eleven pitches to uh, Lomo to lead off the game, then nine pitches to Mark Stroma, so that's twenty pitches to open up the ball game. But you know they draw a couple walks in the inning and they, they only get one run, so that was a little bit uh, that was a little frustrating fr- frustrating to. To, uh, to 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 listen to Dan, your take on today's game, and of course J. A. Happ uh, not uh, pitching like J. A. Happ in the beginning again. I, I think it was great that they 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 worked the count again. I mean, like you said, forty some pitches in the first inning. They had six walks, which is pretty impressive for this ball club. Is we don't always see that, but once again, they only mustered four hits. And they they were one for seven in front of the scoring position. Miller Miller ended that that uh, streak in the first inning with with that strikeout. And then after that, it was I mean they they scored the other one in the fifth on a on a sacrifice fly from Cano, but but that was it. I mean once again, Hap did not look good. I mean five five innings, he gave up seven hits. Two walks. Once again, Wilhelmson did not look good. Two innings, two hits, two walks, two earned runs. But Bimel actually looks pretty. He pitched a scoreless inning, and Nuno had a game only gave a run too, which is kind of rough. But once again, it was just poor performance from the defense. Miller's error. Poor performance from the offense. Only five. Only only four hits, and poor performance from the pitching staff, giving up. Six yeah, definitely. It, it was a very poor performance all around. And, uh, you know, let's go ahead and get off that topic. And let's get and, – and before – again, before uh, Braden comes on the show, let's get into an interesting topic. And I want to talk about Carson Smith. And the reason why I want to talk about him is because so many, uh, quote, experts have said that Carson Smith is not ready for the closing role. And uh, this is this is my take. Okay, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, quote experts unquote. Um, 
if Carson Smith is not ready for the closing role, then how do you explain this, the five saves that he's had, including a four-out save the other night? How do, you, how do you not say a guy is not ready for the closing role when he does nothing? And I mean, and, and I'm going to say this. He does nothing but show that he is ready for the closing role. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It, it, it baffles my mind on how so many, so many experts, again, quote, experts, have said that he's not ready for the closing role, and all he does is just go out, and he shuts people down, and he saves games, including that four-inning save the other night. Dan, your take on this. The guy's excellent, and... He's only blowing one save out of six chances. He, he gets tons of strikeouts, 40, uh, 36 strikeouts in 29 innings. He's only given up five runs this whole season. I mean, if he's not ready for the closer role, who are you going to possibly throw in there? We, we've seen the Fernando Rodney experience. Wilhelmson has not been good. We need Furbish as a setup lefty. Bimo is definitely not closer material. He, uh, you know, I'm, we haven't seen too much from him. Mark Lowe is probably the only other guy in the bullpen right now who could throw in the closer role. And I think if you had to compare the two of them, I think Smith is more suited for the closer role just because Lowe is not going to be here as long as Smith is going to be here. Lowe's career, he's in towards the prime of his career, and he's not... Carson Smith hasn't even entered his prime. He he could build on closing from now until 10 years, maybe he might close. I don't know. He's only 25. So, Mark Lowe is like 30. So, and plus I like seeing Lowe better in middle relief situations because our bullpen has not been as spectacular as it was last year. And he's been a, he's been a highlight of that. And he's somebody we need to fish those middle innings. Smith absolutely just dominates, and he is closer material. I don't care what anybody says. I agree. I agree full heartedly with you, Dan. And again, I, I'm trying to figure this out. Um, by the way, uh, f- we we do have another guest on the show right now. We have guest five. I believe that is uh, another fan who is listening from uh, Australia, and uh, I'm not sure if it is, but. Um, uh, thanks for joining us, by the way, tonight. Again, here's here's what again here's what I don't understand. Truly, is that no matter how many times Carson Smith goes out and he shows his closing material, I've heard so many. I've truly have heard so many guys on Seattle radio say that he's still not ready. He still needs some time. Let me ask you a question. What friggin' time? What friggin' more time do you need? The kid has come out and saved six, five out of six. For crying out loud, this kid throws one of the nastiest and filthiest sliders in baseball. He has an incredible fastball that will zip up there in the high 90s, almost hitting 100 miles an hour. I mean... What more does he need to prove? 
Tell me that. What more does this kid need to do to prove and shut every, every single one of these idiots up? It baffles me and it pisses me off to, to see these idiots on the radio and these idiot and these so-called experts. I'm going to call them a bunch of idiots because from my standpoint, all they, all they, all they are is a bunch of jerkwads who have their heads up their ass and don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because Carson Smith is the closer for the Mariners. Um, Fernando Rodney may get the closing role back this year. But next year, Carson Smith is and will be your closer for your, for your 2016 Seattle Mariners. Dan, your take. I, I definitely agree. I mean, what do they want to see the guy closing? He's 29, the guy start. I mean, he's not starter material. He he can't last that long. And we can't stretch him out right now because we need him in the bullpen. I mean, this guy is going to close for the future unless some ter- terrible thing happens, which God forbid it does not. But this guy is a closer. I mean, he saved the game last night. I mean, well, what the heck, what the heck do you get to see from this guy? The guy is saving and striking out guys. He's what you need as a closer, a dominant power arm, terrific slider, terrific fastball. The guy blows hitters away. I mean, Rodney, if you want to see Rodney as a closer, why? All he does is give you a heart attack. I mean, the guy blow. I've seen countless times this season him blow games. I'm sick and tired of seeing the bullpen blow games, especially Rodney. Carson Smith is the complete opposite. He saved the games. He saved Walker's win last night. I mean, it's just crazy that these guys are just talking about him not being closer material. I mean, this guy has nothing else to prove. He's already saving games. He's only blown one. I mean, the guy's doing his job. He, I mean, he's what we we need him to save games. I don't think they understand that he's our best option close. He's the best option, and that's why he's closer material. If he was, He's not a weak option. He's the best. There's nobody else I'd rather throw out there closing right now than Carson Smith. Agreed. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And uh, Brayton's having a little trouble uh, logging in, so uh, what I'm going to do is uh, we are going to go to another quick break, and uh, when we come back, uh, hopefully, Braden will be joining us. So, again, we we are going to take a quick short break. That way, I can uh, uh, help uh, Car or <laughs> that way I can help uh, Braden out, and we can uh, get his interview underway. So, again, we'll be right back. Yeah. 
back here on uh, Mariners Talk, and we do have Braden on. He just uh, was able to get on. Braden, how are we doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? Oh, it's fanta- uh, doing fantastic. First off, thanks for joining us uh, on uh, Mariners Talk, and and we also want to congratulate you not only for being drafted uh, by the Seattle Mariners, but for also uh, but for but for all your success with uh, your foundation, Forma. And first off, I want you to uh, let's talk about your foundation really quick. Because I think a lot of people are interested to hear about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, so obviously my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's uh, back in September of last year. And, uh, you know, I saw it as an opportunity uh, to make a difference. Um, and I also saw it as an opportunity uh, to maybe one day um, give a kid who is in my position uh, an opportunity not to struggle to, and not to let his mom struggle the way mine is. So, uh, you know, any anything I can do to raise awareness, you know, I'm all about it. And I'm just really lucky to have a, a really strong team of people uh, by my side that, that have made it what it is today. Yeah, definitely, Brady. I mean, we're all really happy about your foundation. And uh, how much money has it raised so far? Uh, we're upwards of 10000 uh, since January, so I'm pretty happy with that. Well, that's good. Uh, for everyone who de- uh, for everyone joining us, Braden Bishop was drafted in the third round, 94th pick overall by the Seattle Mariners out of the University of Washington. And first off, Braden, I, I want to ask you this. I mean, how does it feel 
to to be drafted basically by your hometown team. You know, I mean, you you go to the University of Washington. You were born uh, you were born in San Carlos, uh, California. But I mean, how does it feel to be drafted by the hometown team uh, for the University of Washington? And first off, I want to say this. I I told you from I told you a little while ago on Twitter you were going to be a Mariner. I knew you were going to be a Mariner. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, so it's, and, uh, let's go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know the right words, but uh, it's definitely been a whirlwind. Uh, it's really exciting to be drafted at all. Um, but to be drafted by a team that's, you know, 10 minutes down the road and to be playing half an hour away from where I went to school is pretty special. And, you know, I think a lot of people wish they could do it. Um, but you know, it's, it's really a blessing that I'm able to do it. Um, not only at such a beautiful college, but now at a, a great organization and getting to play in Everett is pretty cool. And, you know, it's a great co- coaching staff down here and it's a great group of guys. So, you know, I'm really fortunate to, to be a part of the Mariners. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people are. Uh, Braden's stats for this uh, last uh, Washington season included, included uh, 49 games played and started a 295 batting average, four home runs, 24, 24, 25 RBIs, excuse me, 57 hits, tw- uh, 14 doubles, a triple, and uh, he also uh, stole fi- uh, 15 bases. So, I mean, Braden, for one thing, you you were a real star at UW. And I, I remember last year you guys went to – you guys had an amazing season where you went to the NCAA tournament. And, I mean, I mean, how was that feeling for you, first off, you know, to go to the NCAA tournament and, uh, and, just, get, and just get a feel of what it's like to play in that type of an atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, I – when I was deciding which college to go to, I had a couple options a couple closer to home and then obviously UW but um I didn't want to go somewhere where I was just gonna be another guy on another team to win another championship. I wanted to be a key part of, you know, changing the culture of a program and UW was struggling uh for the past ten years, you know, like missed a postseason a couple times. Um and I wanted to be a part of the team to change that. So, uh, you know, last year was that year, obviously. And, you know, it was an unbelievable group. Uh, it was a great group of coaches and players. And, you know, from the top to bottom, it was first class. And um, it's not often that you can say in baseball somebody really, really deserves it. But, you know, that team really deserved to go. We put the work in. Uh, you know, we paid our dues and, you know, we all went to UW for the same reason to change the culture. And that's exactly what we did. So it was really special to, to finish with an NCAA tournament berth, you know, obviously we were four games away from the college world series, but, you know, we learned from it and, you know, it made our program stronger and definitely put UW on, on the map. So, uh, it was special for sure. And definitely, uh, Dan, do you have any questions for Braden? Uh, Braden, it says that uh, your possible career pursuit, you want to be a baseball front office executive. How does it feel to actually be on the field and not in the in the front office? I mean, 
you probably this is probably like a dream for you and you didn't see this like a definite sure I mean it, it must be incredible to know that you'll be on the field and the guys in the office will be watching you play and you play every day and hopefully you get here to the show soon but h- how does it feel to be able to actually be on the field and not be the guy in the office I mean he said he definitely want to be on the field um so you know I'm really lucky that I I get to keep playing and um you know I'm with a great organization so that makes it even better um you know I uh first and foremost you know my goal is to make it to the major leagues and it still is um so you know I work for that every day uh you know if I'm lucky enough to to play you know 20 years or 15 years whatever it may be uh when my career's over I would love to to stay in baseball uh whether it be coach or a front office executive but you know for now uh you know it's a lot better for me to be on the field so uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity the Mariners gave me and and I'm definitely excited to keep playing I'm glad to have you and def yeah definitely glad to have you I mean um First, you know, so so many real, so many stars have come through UW, Braden, and the Mariners have passed up on them. I mean, for one thing, Tim Lincecum was one of the big stars that came out of UW baseball, and people are saying, "Oh, the Mariners really need to draft this guy," and they missed out on a, on a, a real great opportunity. But looking at this season, you know, I was saying, I was again, I told you on on Twitter, I was like, "Okay, you're going to be a Mariner." I know you're going to be a Mariner. And finally, the Mariners look at a, 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 a true all-star in my, in my, in my book, uh, college baseball-wise, and they look at what you did on the, on the playing field. They picked you. I mean, uh, first off, I, what were you doing during the draft? And when you, when you heard your name or, you know, you got that phone call, saying that you have been drafted by the Seattle Mariners. I mean, what was your immediate reaction or, you know, the reaction that, or, or did you just, did you just not believe it for, for a minute or so? Were you just like stunned that you have, that your dream has finally come true and you're, and you're getting your shot at the majors? Yeah. Um, on draft day, I was, uh, at my apartment with my dad and my girlfriend and it was around pick 85, uh, you know, I'm, I was nervous because uh, I hadn't been called yet, so you never know when it's going to come. And uh, it was around pick 85. I heard uh, that the Mariners, if I was around at 94, that they would most likely take me. Not 100%, but it looked good. And then the Mets might take me at 88. So, of course, my mind started racing. Um, you know, I... I'd be lucky to go to either team, you know, and at that point I was unemployed and I was just looking for, for an opportunity. So, you know, either one would have been great. Um, but, you know, selfishly, uh, I would love to stay on the West coast and be closer to my mom and my family. So, uh, when eight pick 88 came around, I was really nervous and, uh, they, uh, went with another, another guy, uh, so I knew that I would probably fall right to the Mariners. Um, and then, 
uh, when pick 94 came around, I got a text message from their area scout just saying, telling me to hang tight and be ready. So, you know, I, I had a pretty good idea. And then uh, I heard it over the, the draft tracker and shared some hugs with my dad and my girlfriend. And uh, it was a, it was a nice moment for sure. It was definitely one I'll remember forever. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, for, for, first off, I will say this. No, no. Uh, well, this is a Mariners podcast, so I'll go ahead and say it. But uh, I'm very glad you didn't go to the Mets because truly, yeah. to, to be truly honest, nobody deserves that kind of fate. Yeah. Um, but um, but getting off getting off uh, that, I mean, I mean, this this has been a dream come true of yours, and you worked hard. You, I see that you uh, earned your major in communications and a minor in political science. Um, let's get let's get on that really quick. Uh, what what made you pursue a career, uh, your major for both communications and in political science? I mean, that's an interesting one. Is political science? Uh, what made you decide to um, earn your major in communications and then minor into political science? That's very interesting. I would like to know that. Um. You know, I come, my mom graduated from UCLA, and my dad graduated from UNLV. So, uh, and then my aunt is a principal, and my uncle is like a genius. So, you know, academics was pushed on me from a pretty young age, and uh, grew up in a law enforcement household. So, that's kind of the po- uh, political science background. Uh, and then communications uh, kind of led into political science, uh, criminal justice, law, society, and justice. So, you know, it's a pretty broad major, so it allows me to do a bunch of different things. But uh, the basis and focus on the education was uh, pre-law, because uh, one day I'd like to go to law school, uh, which would also allow me to be a baseball front office executive or agent. So, um, you know, that's where that all comes from. Yeah, that that's that's very interesting. Uh, Dan, do you have anything uh, else to ask for Braden? Braden, I know this is like a question that's going to drag your mind back, but how did you get into baseball? Um, my dad played uh, in college. Uh, and then he tore his rotator cuff twice, so his career was over. Uh, and then his dad pitched in the big leagues for – so my grandpa pitched in the big leagues for the Pirates back in the World War II era. Um, so, you know, I've had a pretty long line of baseball, and uh, my dad introduced it to me. God, as soon as I could walk, I was holding a bat or a ball or a glove. Um, and I can still remember the, uh, when I was playing t-ball – my mom my mom was a movie producer, so we traveled around with her. So I wasn't able to play T-ball, but uh, I was put on a team, and so I wouldn't let my parents uh, leave to go to where my mom was filming a movie without me getting my jersey and my hat. So I remember the first jersey I ever got was white and red, uh, and then I had a red hat, and I remember I wore it for probably a month straight every single day. Um and that was that was uh, when I first got inter- in, introduced, and then you know I've been playing ever since, and I'm, I think I'm lucky to say I've been playing ever since. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. 
Go ahead, go yes. ahead, Dan. Yeah, it's definitely lucky. I mean, to be able, I mean, I can tell, I know that you put a lot of time into it, and it seems like it's very rewarding. Now you're a professional baseball player in the minor leagues trying to make your way up. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is rewarding for sure. Uh, you know, so it's been so many hours and early mornings and late nights, you know, whole days given up to, to baseball and, you know, like professional baseball, you show up at noon and you don't leave until 1030. So, you know, it's, it's long days and there's a lot of work put in, um, and, you know, it is, it is rewarding. Like when you see your name called on draft day, it is rewarding. And the best part about baseball to me is there's always a chase. You know, whether you're you got drafted, well, you still gotta get called up to that next level, and then the next level, the next level. So, you know, that's what I love about baseball. It's always a chase. You know, it's even if you're the best player in the world, you're still gonna have a bad game, and there's always something to work on. So. You know, baseball is a great game, and like I said, I'm just lucky to to still be playing. Yeah, yeah, I I, I understand that fully, uh, Braden. I actually tried out a couple uh, back in 2009 uh, for an open tryout, uh, got injured, so that ended my chance. But uh, you know, it is it is tough to get into the majors. No, a lot of people think it's very easy to to go to college, get drafted, but it, it's not. It's truly, I mean, it's hard work, and you know we don't see we don't see it because for one thing, all we see, all people see on TV is a, a col- is a college athlete. They don't know what type of work gets put into a college athlete's career, and you know, t- I would like you to tell our listeners about what college athletes truly go through, because again, it's not easy to make it to the major leagues, and it's not easy. To even get to even get drafted as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I think there's a big difference between being a pro and being a college athlete. And I personally think being a college athlete is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Uh, you know, it's in the fall. A typical day looks like you know, wake up at five thirty. Uh, you're in the weight room at six thirty. You lift from 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, you go to class at 8.30 to, you know, some guys go until 1.20. Uh, and then you're back on the field at, at 2.20. And you go from about 2.20 to, to 5.15-ish. And then you go eat dinner real quick. And then you have tutoring or homework or some sort of studying to do. You know, so it's an all-day thing. Uh, and it starts early and ends late. And, you know, that's just what you sign up for. So, you know, the guys who can really stay with it uh, and the guys who really commit to getting better in all aspects of of their life, you know, social and academic and athletic, you know, those are the guys that you see their work really pay off. Uh, So, you know, I'm one of many. But, you know, that's that's usually what a, a typical day looks like in a college athlete's eyes. Dang, that is one tough day. Um, uh, Brayden, let's get in, let's get into some uh, interesting uh, questions. First off, um, being drafted by the Seattle Mariners. Uh, not sure if you have. Uh, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to just kind of tease you a little bit, but I'm not sure if you have done your full 
homework on the team. But, you know, coming to an organization like the Seattle Mariners who have missed the postseason since 2001, who have only made the postseason three time, or four times, um, have only gone as far as the championship series, no World Series to show forth, and knowing of how – Knowing, uh, possibly knowing just a little bit about the history and some of the great plays that have um, that have really patented this organization, like the double for Edgar Martinez, which is perhaps one of the greatest plays and one of the most memorable plays in Mariners history. I mean, coming to an organization like this, what is uh, your thought concept on that? Coming to an organization who, um, again, who has missed the postseason since 2001. Uh, no World Series appearance and very, very little um, real memorable moments that have really um, become the face of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you obviously know more than I do, um, but being a baseball fan, and obviously I do know that, um, you know, I'm excited to be a part of this organization. I think it's a, a first-class organization. I think the right guys run it. Uh, they're smart, and they have high baseball IQs. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy that they picked me um, so I could be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I can speak for myself that, you know, I play the game hard. Uh, so, you know, if I do get the opportunity one day to, to play in the big leagues, you know, I'm going to push the envelope, you know, I'm going to play hard every single day. Um, and you know that the guys that I've been around for the past week and a half since I've showed up in Everett, you know, they do the same thing. You know, they all play hard. Uh, you know, it's the first time I've actually played with um, a good number of Latin-born players. And, you know, those guys, they have fun. They play the game hard. Um, I have not seen the levels above me, but speaking at the level I'm at, you know, not only is there great talent, but they're great people. And there's a lot of guys that play the game the right way. They play hard. Uh, our shortstop, Drew Jackson from Stanford. I mean, that guy gets after it. Uh, he knows how to play the game. You know, he's instinctual and he's got all the tools. So, uh, like I said, you know, I can only speak for the level I'm at, but, uh, you know, if if the guys at this level, you know, work and get better, you know, the Mariners definitely have a bright future. Uh, and I think that that starts with the scouting director uh, and then goes all the way down. You know, they they do a great job. Uh, and we're, we're just lucky enough to get the opportunity to be in this organization. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Dan, you got any, you got another question for, for Braden? <clears throat> Braden. It says you're from like the Bay. You're pretty close. You're from in between somewhere in San Jose and San Francisco, Oakland. So growing up, were you a Giants or an A's fan? <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask that question. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I think overall, I'm, I've always been a baseball fan. I just love watching good baseball. Um, so I've been to a bunch of A's games. I've been to a bunch of Giants games. I think I definitely favor the Giants over the A's, though. Bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's an interesting question for you, Braden. Um, again, being from close by the Bay Area and now being a member of the Seattle organization, 
I mean, who do you favor more um, NFL-wise? Do you favor the Seahawks or the 49ers? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I've been a 49ers fan since I was a, a little kid. Um, Steve Young actually was my next-door neighbor uh, growing up. Uh, so, you know, I had pretty close ties with him, and so did my family. So, um, definitely a 49ers fan. Uh, but like I said, you know, I I love watching good athletes, and I love watching good competitors. So uh, what the Seahawks have done is pretty amazing, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. And uh, first off, I'm, I'm quoting you and, and posting tweets, of course, on there. Uh, this It was just a little bit of a joke right there. But, I mean, you know, we don't judge it by who you cheer for. I mean, it's, I mean you're on the Mariners. We we love you no matter what, and we're and we're happy to have you on this team. Um, but first, but here's, here's another interesting question for you. Um, growing up baseball wise, who was the ball player that you looked up to? Who was that player? One in particular that you looked up to the most and you said, I want to be just like him, or I want to play in the big leagues just like him. Um, there's two. So the first, uh, growing up. Ken Griffey Jr. Um, I mean, I love the way he played the outfield. Uh, and, you know, he's a pretty good hitter, too. So uh, he was definitely one that I looked up to for sure. And then Torrey Hunter was the other one. Um, I've just always respected good defense and, and good athletes in the outfield. And, and Torrey and Ken Griffey, you know, they're two of the best to ever do it. So uh you know those were two that i definitely looked up to definitely want to play defense like um and i can remember in the backyard when i was younger trying to imitate king Griffey's home run swing so uh i respect good athletes and you know they're two of the best so uh i was just lucky enough to grow up in an era where where they were pretty darn good yeah definitely um dan any other questions for Braden? <clears throat> Um, it says here on GoHuskies.com that your pregame ritual is to keep chapsticks in my back right pocket. But what's the story behind that? Uh, when I was a 12-year-old in Little League, uh, I actually lived in Canada because my mom ran the Vancouver Film School. Uh, so I was playing up in that colder climate. And I remember my lips would get chapped every game. And it became just like a, a pet peeve of mine to have chapped lips. So I started to play with one of those little round Carmex chapstick holders in my in my back pocket. And it, it just kind of caught on. Uh, you know, I don't do it as much if we're playing in, in a warmer climate, but definitely when we're in colder. So a lot of the time in Washington. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we definitely have some weird weather here during both the spring and uh, the summer. But, uh, Braden, here's here's an interesting question. Um, uh, the Mar- I, I don't know if you actually have uh, gotten to see some of the Mariners' uniforms throughout the throughout their history, but looking at some of the Mariners' uniforms, I kind of want to know this: uh, What's your favorite uniform, uh, like favorite jersey that the Mariners have worn? Um, first off, Dan, you're. Uh, uh, no offense, Brady, but I, I, I do want to get Dan's 
first. Me, personally, I've always loved the teal jerseys. They've always had a great – they've always had a love, uh, truly, in my heart for my my favorite jersey of all time. Uh, Dan, what's yours? Teal. <laughs> Braden? Yeah, I'd have to agree with, with the teal on that because uh, growing up, my dad worked for the San Jose Sharks, and their color's teal. So, you know, I got used to it. Uh, so teal is definitely my favorite. Yeah, I, I think a lot a lot of people do love them. Um, uh, we uh, I do I don't want to keep you too much here on the show. So, uh, gonna ask you a couple more questions. Uh, Dan, do you have any other uh, last uh, questions for uh, Braden before I ask him? <clears throat> Braden, I see that. Uh... I see that you were a uh, all Pac-12 def- defensive team all, in 2015 All-Pac-12. How did it feel to be a member of that? That was honestly probably uh, my favorite uh, award I got in college because, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in my defense. Uh I want to be the best center fielder on the field. Uh, and, you know, I want to make it as easy as possible on our pitchers. And my favorite compliment I can get uh, from a pitcher is when they tell me, hey, when the ball goes up in the air, I just walk off the field or I know it's an automatic out. I don't even watch. You know, it's exactly what I want. You know, it's a, exactly what I work for. So uh, my my philosophy and how I approach playing center field is, you know, I make the routine play, and then if you're lucky enough to go get one and make a great play, you know, that that, that comes off of making the routine play consistently. Um, so I take a lot of pride in my defense, so those are definitely my favorite awards. Uh, Dan, any more questions for uh, Braden? Um, knowing the Seattle Mariners roster right now, who is one guy, let's say you made it up to the show in September, which, I mean, that's gonna be, if it does happen, it's going to be rough to get to. It's a big obstacle. Who Who is one guy that you just love to meet and play with? Um, You know, I think anybody would say Robinson Cano. I mean, to pick that guy's brain about hitting uh, would be very special. And, you know, that a lot of knowledge. It comes from him. Um, you know, I've looked up to Austin Jackson for a while, and I actually uh, got the opportunity. Uh, the Our Everett team went down to the Mariners-Giants game last Wednesday, so I was actually able to meet Austin Jackson for the first time. So it was nice to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think those two would probably be be it for me. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Austin Jackson fan, too, and Cano is definitely a guy with a lot of baseball knowledge. No doubt. Yeah, definitely. I, I th- Those are some two big uh, players that you named. And uh, uh, before before you get out of here, Braden, I do have a couple more questions for you. First off, you know, in, I want to ask you this. I mean, what uh, now that you are in the minor league systems, you are you, – you, have to switch from using aluminum bats to wood bats. I mean, um, I think a lot of people don't know that it is a little tough to switch from aluminum to using wood bats. So uh, what uh, what kind of challenge is that for you? 
It's different for sure. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is with metal, uh, you don't have to be as fine. Uh, Your swing can be a little bit longer. uh, And if you don't hit it on the barrel, you you can still make good contact and get hit. Uh, With wood, there's a lot less margin for error. Um, you you got to be short to the ball because, I mean, some of these guys are 93 miles an hour uh, with movement. Uh, so, you, I mean, you got to be quick to the ball uh, and you got to get the barrel out there. You're either going to break it or it's not going to feel good on your hands. So, uh, you know, there there's definitely some room to adapt and you got to adjust to it. Uh, so it takes some time, but, you know, that's why they have so many levels of minor league baseball. You get used to it, and then, you know, hopefully down the road it pays off. Yeah, definitely, and and I know it is going to pay off. Um, so uh, before you get out of here, last question. Uh, if Whenever you do get to the show, whenever you do come up to Seattle and you uh, get your major leagues, uh, you know, you get that first game underway and you uh, start to make your major league career, um, you know, you, you, you finally begin that major league career right there in Seattle – uh, what number would you pick to uh, wear through your career here in Seattle? You know, I, I would love number seven. Um, and if I got the the choice, I would definitely pick number seven. Uh, but, you know, if, if I get the call to make it to the big leagues, you know, they could give me number 75. I would really wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, Brayden, uh, first off, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been an amazing experience just to talk with you. Um, both me and Dan and every and everybody in the Mariners fan base wish you nothing but the best of luck in your career. And uh, we do hope to have you on the show uh, again sometime to talk about uh, your, your, you know, whenever uh, the Everett Aqua Sox season ends and your minor league season ends and talk about your first season um, you know, professional wise. And, uh, you know, we, again, we just wish you the best of luck. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And I'd love to come on after the season. So just, just let me know, but thanks so much for having me. And no problem. And Braden, I do want to say this, you, uh, with you coming on to the, uh, my show, uh, here's the thing. My show is nonprofit. I make no money off of this. This is just all my doing. Uh, but with you coming on the show, you, this is now the third season in a row in which uh, I have had the opportunity to talk with uh, a Mariners draft pick, and and truly, Braden, I, I really do have to say it's it's been a it's been a, a, a true honor to talk with you. I mean, you know, I've had you know, Justin Seeger, I've had a lot of other p- players come on here and talk about it, their feelings about getting drafted, but uh, talking with you, it's just been it's been it's been a true pleasure because again, you are a UW Husky. I, I mean, you're the first Husky to come on my show, and that's wow. and that's something that I've enjoyed uh, bragging about as well. And again, it, just just thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, it's it's just been a, it's just been a huge honor to have you on the show. Hey, thanks thanks so much for saying that. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is. A lot of people see me as being a baseball player, but you know I'm a I'm a person too, and I take pride in being a good person. So you know if I can come on and and share my thoughts with you guys, you know you guys are pros at what you do. So 
Uh, it's been a pleasure to come on and talk with you guys. Oh, thank you very much, Braden. I appreciate that. Um, so there you go, Br- uh, Braden Bishop. Uh, he is uh, playing in Everett. Uh, we do wish him the best of luck. We are going to take a quick short break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to get into a little bit more discussion about the uh, the possible candidates for the Mariners uh, for this upcoming All-Star game. And again, we do want to thank Braden for coming on the show again. So we're going to take a quick short break, and we'll be right back. here on Mariners Talk. Uh, we just got done talking with Mariners third-round draft pick, Braden Bishop. And uh, first off, again, I know that Braden's not on here, but I, I just I, I have to thank him again. It was just such an honor to talk with Braden. 
and I want to thank him so much for coming on the show. I mean, again, here I am. I'm an I'm an amateur podcaster, okay? I'm going to school, trying to get my degree, and here I am. I've got I bring on a lot of guests on my show. I'm nonprofit, and and every time I get a guest like Braden, it honestly just brings me. It honestly brings me so much joy, and I'm actually start and I'm actually about to get a little emotional because it, it, I've been doing this now for three years, and it just gets more and more enjoyable, and it just gets more fun to do this show when I have a guest like Braden come on. Dan, I, I, what would you? I mean, this is your first. This is your first year basically being a co-host for me, and you know. You you got to talk with Braiding. I mean, what was that like? What was that like to, t- to to talk with one of the mayor's draft choices, and you know, get his take and listen to him talk about him getting drafted, his feelings, and just talking about how uh, excited he is to be with this mayor's organization. I thought it was like talking to David Rollins. It's truly wonderful to see the first person view of a player and. I mean, us as fans, we only see what they do on the field, not off the field. We don't know him too well. And when you get a guy to come on and you get to know about him and connect with him, it's truly something special. And not everybody gets that opportunity. And luckily, Mike, you've gotten these opportunities. And you got to take advantage of them and thankfully and thank the people because they they take the time out of their day to make us happy and make the fans of the show happy. Yeah, it it, it does. And, and and again, I take really great pride in in doing this. And I really do thank you for, you know, being my co-host because, I mean, you know, uh, my former co-host, uh, Dan Hughes, who we used to do the Soto Mojo, uh, he's not really able to do the shows anymore. But again, you know, it's just, it's an honor to for you to be on the show with me and actually help me out with this. Uh, and I and I really do appreciate you, you know, whenever you come whenever you do every week when you come on the show with me. I, I thank you actually because you gave me a chance to come on and express something I like talking about. I mean, I like talking Mariners baseball, and where I live, I don't get as much of an opportunity as I'm going to in the future. I mean, people here are Cubs and White Sox fans, or Brewers fans, and Cardinal fans, and there, there's really I've only met a few Mariner fans out here, and that's usually when I go to a game. And I don't know, I just, it's an opportunity for me too because I don't know, I could make a career out of this. I don't really see it, but it's a shot, and you gave me that shot, and I thank you so much for it. You know, hey, it's not a problem. So uh, getting on to our next topic, we're going to go into two topics. We're going to take a break right after this one, but uh, we should be talking about this. Uh, the show maybe be going on a little longer, a little past nine o'clock. But I mean, heck, this is a podcast, so we we've got no time limit. But uh, Dan, let's talk about some of the Mariners' uh, possible All Stars. But 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 before we do that, I want to I want to say this um, because I believe that David Price did say um, did say this, and let me go ahead and look it up because I do want to kind of uh, bring this up. And here it is. It, it was it was posted on June 11th saying that uh, uh, David Price calls the All-Star Game voting, quote, a joke. And 
and he because he was ripping on the fact that uh, Miguel Cabrera is not in the top is not in the top voting voting, and uh, and you know what I I I wholeheartedly agree with um, with David Price because here's the thing I don't think it is right for fans to vote in um, players because. Here's the thing. Last season, Kyle Seeger, he got into the All-Star game because of an injury. But in hindsight, and and I think everybody <clears throat> believes this. Not just Mariner fans, but other 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 fans too. Um he he deserved a a true All-Star game. Um no, a true All-Star game vote, not just not just a replacement vote. Yeah, I mean, I think Seager deserved to be in the game, and there's only so many spots, and luckily Seager got that spot because he truly had an amazing season last year. But like Price has said, I truly agree that this all-star voting has been a joke. Uh, Omar Infante, what is that? You have Jason Kipnis, you have Dustin Pedroia, you have Jose Altuve, you have... You have Brian Dozier all playing better than Infante, and yet they they are not ahead in all-star voting. I, I also think third baseman Mike Moustakas should be behind Josh Donaldson. I mean, Josh Donaldson is one of the reasons why the Blue Jays have been so good. And having uh, having Kendrick Morales over Nelson Cruz, that's not trying to be a homer, but Kendrick Morales' batting average has dipped last month. This month, and Nelson Cruz has still been having a solid season. I mean, I like fan voting sometimes. I mean, I like that we get an opportunity to vote. But seriously, these fans, fans, speaking to all of you listening, we need to vote smarter. Don't don't vote for play, players you like. Vote for who deserves to be in the game. Yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree because if you look at the at the at the All Star ballot, you see nothing but Royals as the as the starters, and in the uh, National League, you see a lot of Cardinals. And here's the thing: I have no complaints about the when Mar- when eight Mariners got voted into the All Star game. But here's the thing: I think players that deserve a spot in the All Star game need to be in the All Star game, not get snubbed by the fans, because it's really the fans' fault that a lot of these players who deserve an all-star shot are not going to get it. Here's the American League voters and 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 look at this. The the the, the first uh the first six guys. Salvador Perez, Eric Hosmer, Omar Infante, Alcides Escobar, Mike Mustakas, Lorenzo Cain. And then all actually all of them but Mike Trout, our Kansas City Royals. In what universe does the entire Kansas City Royals starting rotation deserve all-star ballots? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I could make a case for Perez, Hosmer, and Moustakis. I'm pretty sure Gordon has had a good season, too, and Kane. Kane has definitely had a good season. But I haven't heard much about Escobar, not too much about Gordon, I mean, there's definitely better guys out here who should be getting chances. I mean, there really there's not many Mariners besides Cruz, Seager, and Felix. But seriously, 
there, there are other guys like Josh Donaldson. There, there are guys like I'm trying to think of a. There, there are guys like Donaldson. There are guys like guys like him and guys like Adam Jones who should be starting in the All Star game. Guys who are carrying their teams. I mean, the Royals are more of a full team effort, but. Seriously, these guys like Adam Jones and Josh Allison are not going to be starting because of these Royals. I mean, definitely first base. I mean, there's probably been some better options if I just looked this up. Major League Baseball first baseman. Paul, uh, Miguel Cabrera is not even first. I mean, let's look at some other guys here. Jose Abreu, Pujols. I mean, these are guys. Who should definitely guys like Miguel Cabrera should definitely be first over Hosmer. I mean, Miguel Cabrera has 15 home runs, 51 RBIs, but uh, he's worth 3.4. Hosmer, on the other hand, only has a WAR of 1.8. He's not worth as much as his team as Miguel Cabrera is. And then if you look at left field, I wonder where Alex Gordon is. I mean, I haven't Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon is below Hanley. Alex Gordon is below Brett Gardner. And, I mean, Alex Gordon's war. Cespedes is better than him. Cespedes is hidden better than him. Cespedes has more home runs and more RBIs than Gordon. Why, why doesn't he have the first place? It's ridiculous that fans are not taking this seriously. I mean, when you look at guys like Ichiro and guys like Griffey, they were all-stars for a reason. They were putting up spectacular seasons. They weren't, I mean, maybe Ichiro towards that, towards the end of his Seattle days was being voted in because of the fan favorite. But 2001 in early days, I mean, he definitely deserved his votes. Anything after probably 2011, Ichiro didn't deserve a vote. And Ichiro hasn't been an all-star since 2010. So, I mean, guy, people, you need to start voting more factual. I mean, when we're going to look at all-stars down the road, you can't be like, oh, uh, Dustin Ackley was an all-star, three-time all-star. Dustin Ackley right now does not deserve to be an all-star. And there are many guys like Dustin Ackley. I mean, Dustin Ackley isn't getting voted for. But there are guys like him, and there are probably Mariner fans who are voting Dustin Ackley into this all-star game just because he's a Mariner. Just stop. you got to stop. There has to be a point where you draw the line and you're like, you know what? Dustin Ackley definitely does not deserve to be in this all-star game over Cespedes. We, we I, need to stop homering players and we need to start putting in the right guys. And the time to do this is now. Major League Baseball just took away some votes. And let's get this thing right before the all-star game comes. I wholeheartedly agree. And here's the thing. Again, Omar Infante still leading the, the for the second baseman. For God's sakes, he's batting 229, no home runs, 18 RBIs. For God's sakes, Robinson Cano, Robinson Cano deserves a, a better spot, deserves his spot than he does. Infante is not a good hitter. Why vote him in? Because he's on the reigning American League champion Royals? That's a bunch of bullshit, okay? I'm sorry to say that, but that's just, that's just a bunch of bullshit. Why? Why vote him in? Because he's on the, um, the, 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 the reigning AL champions. Why not vote Jose Altuve, who's batting 287, 
Or for God's sakes, Jason Kipnis, who is batting 345 in 67 games. For God's sakes, wake up, fans. Stop doing this. Because it's not, it's not fair to these players. It truly is not fair because, I mean, players who don't deserve a, a spot in the All-Star game, or players, players, yeah, players who are voted ahead of, of guys who do deserve a spot rather than guys who don't deserve a spot in the All-Star game are getting into the All-Star game. Now, Mike Moustakas, I understand him getting voted. He's actually batting really well, two, 325, but he's not putting up the power numbers that um, Josh Donaldson or Kyle Seager are putting up. Kyle Seager's batting 268. He's got a, he's been batting great. 11 home runs, 37 RBIs, and Donaldson batting uh, batting 302. Actually, that's really impressive. Donaldson has been batting terrific. He's been batting way better since getting traded to the Blue Jays. He's got 17 home runs, 46 RBIs. And so, and then also in, um, let's go ahead and look at designated hitters, okay? Kendris Morales, okay, he's got it, he's batting 289. He leads all DH, or excuse me, he doesn't lead all DHs, okay? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put that, um, I'm not gonna put that towards him. But Nelson Cruz is no longer leading the DH because, um, Morales is batting two, 298 or whatever and eight home runs. Um, can I tell you fans something? Nelson Cruz, hello, 315 batting average, 19 home runs, 44 RBIs. Does that – am I, am, I, am I getting through to you people? Now, here's the thing. I think Chris Bryant and some of these rookies like um, uh, Joey Gallo are going to get into the All-Star game. And I true – and if they do – that's going to be a complete insult, and it's going to be the biggest bunch of crap I've ever heard because here's the thing. I don't think that rookies like that and, – and this and this happened with Yasiel Puig a couple, uh, a couple of years ago. Yes, he was tearing the cover off the ball, but he, bare, but he only played like, what, 30 games, and he got into the All-Star game? That, is that fair? Does that seem fair to any other player who – played basically the entire season above him and got voted and got and got you know snubbed below him does that seem fair no it does not i mean there are better i mean chris bryant has been a miracle over here in chicago but there are other baseball there are other third basemen in the national league they're playing better than him top Frazier, nolan arenado who's having a phenomenal season Justin Turner, who is having another good season in L.A. Matt Carpenter is having probably almost his, probably going to have his best season of his career. Matt Duffy, I believe, has had a better season than Chris Bryant, but he hasn't had as many play appearances. But, I mean, these, these hyped-up guys, these fan favorites, they, they need – there's only so many spots on the all-star roster. And we have to make, as fans and voters, we have to make the best logical and smart decisions we can make to vote these guys in. Because around the league, being an all-star and out of baseball, being an all-star, it seems as a huge deal. And if this trend continues, it's going to be seen as not a big deal. And growing up watching all these guys until fan voting was a thing, 
when you, if you're an all-star, it means you were a good player that season. And now it's just going to be like, oh, these guys are the guys the fans like. They're not all-star material. And that that's depressing to see a game of guys who aren't even having great years, but, you know, we, we like our guys and, oh, our Omar Infantes, oh, it's going to be wonderful to see him start for a game that actually means something and means something career-wise. I mean, Omar Infante, this is probably his worst season he's had since I've, started, since I've known he's been in the big leagues. And it's depressing because there, there are about four other first basemen that have been playing better than Infante. It, no offense, I'm not trying to offend Mariner fans, but it'd be like putting Robinson Cano at the top all-star goal right now. He, he definitely, in my opinion, if he does not get better by the, end of, by the end, all-star break, but he has about a month and a half to do to be on Kibnis's level or Pedroia's level or Otuve's level. He does not deserve a roster spot. He has had a very disappointing season. If you like putting him up there as a top vote, I would be very mad, even as a fan of Cano and stuff. I, I don't deserve these. I don't think he deserves a spot. He has truly not been playing as an all, at an all-star level. And just like Infante, just like Morales, just like Hosmer, and just it's and just like and just like all these other guys who are getting voted in at past years, these guys do not deserve to be all stars. We need to start treating this game as serious as it used to be, and I like to see it that way. And I know you do too, Mike. Yeah, I I, I do, and uh, and here's the thing. All right, we're we're gonna take a break right after this, but. Here's the thing, okay? I want to say this. If you vote for Logan Morrison, Brad Miller, Robinson Cano, Dustin Ackley, Mike Zanino, Seth Smith, and Austin Jackson for the All-Star game, just just go just go get please go get your your brain scanned because for one thing, they're not All-Stars. I don't care what you say. Seth Smith, yes, he's been a great addition to our roster. Logan Morrison has been picking things up. Austin Jackson, he's one of our better hitters. Yes. But they're not all-stars. Robinson Cano? No. He's not an all-star. And if he gets into the all-star game, which which I hardly doubt he he will, it, it's going to be... I'm, I'm going to be really, really upset because that's just going to be just just idiocracy. But to the fans who actually vote for Dustin Ackley and Mike Zanino... I don't understand why you would. I don't care if he is. I don't care if they are Mariners. They do not deserve one friggin' vote. They don't deserve a single vote. Not one. Now, looking at the pitchers, here I'm going I'm to give you my Mariners um, or my All Stars for the Seattle Mariners if the coaches and managers made their picks for the All-Star game, okay? This is who I believe if the players, the coaches, and the managers were to choose, I believe the Mariners would have at least four All-Stars on their team. And it would be Nelson Cruz, Kyle Seager, Felix Hernandez, who would probably start the All-Star game. Um, Looking down, also uh, uh, Charlie Furbush, Yes, I, I did say Charlie Furbush. Okay, look, I don't I, I I don't care what you say. The guy's been awesome this entire season. 
And to follow up, uh, Carson Smith. Now, I'll scratch Charlie Furbishop because he's he's really not going to get a look, but Char- Carson Smith, Felix Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, and Kyle Seager. Those are my four all-stars that I do believe, that I truly believe will make this all-star game if it came down to the managers, the players, and the, and the coaches making the decision to vote in players. Those are my choices. Dan, what's your take? I've got to agree. My, my, I actually, yeah, I don't think Kyle Seager has a chance with so many limited spots. But I think if they do have three third, if they have three third basemen making that team, then yeah, I would have Kyle Seager. But my, my first year all stars are definitely going to, if Carson Smith keeps saving games, it's going to be Felix, Cruz, and Smith. Those guys are going to be all stars. I mean, they have been some of the best players in the active positions this year, and they all three of them deserve an all star spot. Yeah, they do. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so we're going to take a quick short break, and when we come back, we're going to go ahead and get into uh, this upcoming week for the Mariners and talk about uh, the matchups for this week. So we'll, again, we'll take a quick short break, and uh, we'll be right back. Girls there. The temperature's about 88. 
Hopping the water plug, just for old time's sake. Break, fix your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start the store. Sitting with your friends, y'all reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kissed. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill can spark off nostalgia. All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six o'clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop and lots of beautiful lines. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they've been all the waxing, leaning to the side, but you can't be through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. And we are back here with the final segment in Mariners Talk for uh, this Sunday. We are on the topic of the Mariners this upcoming week for the Mariners. And uh, we are, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan. And uh, first off, the Mariners entered this upcoming week 32-38. and 38. So we are six games back of 500. Not too bad. I'm not complaining. But everyone else seems to be complaining because we're – you know we're under 500. We're only eight and a half back of the Houston of the Houston Astros. Okay, only eight and a half back. Okay, not bad for the first half so far. But again, you know people are complaining, saying, that, "Oh, we could be you know better. We have World Series aspirations." But um, and but again, I'm not complaining because again, we're only three games under 500, eight and a half back. And on Monday, the Mariners uh, open up a series with the reigning American League champion uh, uh, Kansas City Royals. And the King goes back out onto the mound with a 10-3 record, the only pitcher in baseball, might I add, with 10 wins. 10-3 record, 308 batting, 308 earned run average, 87 strikeouts. And he goes up, and he will be going up against Joe Blanton, who is one and zero with a one point eight zero ERA. And uh, I tell you one thing, Joe Blanton. Last time we saw him, we uh, Mariners did did a hurting on him. Uh, Joe, what's your take on this game? Are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Uh, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. Kill Joe Blinn, I mean, baseball-wise with RBIs. He is not that good of a pitcher anymore. And I think they'll get to him. I think they're going to work their counts like they've been doing the last couple games. I think they're going to get to him early, and he's going to be running on the ball game probably by the fifth inning. While Felix, on the other hand, will just have another Felix start. And, I don't know, maybe... He'll pitch a shutout. I don't know. Maybe I probably see him. I probably see the Mariners winning this one, probably like four to one. 
I'd have to say. Five to one. I mean, Blanton's not that great. And they're going to get to him early, in my opinion. They're going to make him leave the ball game early, and then that Royals bullpen is going to have to start start working early in the series, and that might hurt him in the end. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, definitely, the, the Mariners have always um, have always uh, done well against Joe Blanton, and I and I expect them to do to, to still do well against him, even though that he is. Uh, he's coming off a great performance. I, I still expect the Mariners to to light him up. Uh, going into the uh, uh, game two of uh, the three game series against the Royals, the Mariners faced Jeremy Guthright or Guthrie, excuse me, who is five and four, five point five five ERA, thirty three strikeouts. Um, so this is he. And here's the thing: Guthrie has a two and seven mark or record against the Mariners. So this is a good chance for the Mariners to make him two and eight because they get they got their young lefty Mike Montgomery going out who is one and two two point seven three ERA and here's the thing um, Montgomery should have at least uh, two or three wins under his belt uh, definitely should have won his first major league game but again you know th- th- this is a game I do see the Mar- uh, for some reason I I just see the Mariners sweeping this team I do because last year the Mariners swept them, and they were the hottest team in baseball. They were truly the hottest team in baseball. Nobody could beat them. And the Mariners go into Kansas City and sweep them, and I just see them doing it again. And here's yeah, the first... Go ahead. I've got to agree. I mean, they're facing some pretty mediocre pitchers here, and Duffy's coming off the DL. He's just going he's to be activated if he starts Wednesday. So they have a chance to really get the offense scoring a lot of runs. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but here's here's the thing. Here's an interesting topic. Dustin Ackley is probably going to be in the lineup because he is batting 600 against Guthrie. In 10 at bats, he's got two home runs and three home and three RBIs off of him. And Seth Smith will be in the lineup along with Mike Zanino because both of these guys have an, a, a 600 or better batting average against them. But I, I'm not I'm not going to count. I'm not going to put that against them. Because uh, past uh, past visits don't really mean anything to me. They don't, and I, I I truly believe that the Mariners will just take them, take them easily. Um, in the final game of the uh, three game series, Rowanis Elias will head out uh, to the mound. Excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, four and four record, three point five six ERA, fifty five strikeouts. Coming off a 10K performance against the Astros, and we are and they are facing Danny Duffy, who is two and three with a 5.8787 ERA. And and here's the thing, I'm 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 curious, how is this Royals team 39 and 27 with with their terrible pitching? I mean, I get that they have the hitting, but their pitching is terrible. They should not be in the in in the situation that they are right now in first in you know, battling back again for the AL for the AL Central. Well, uh, Vargas went down. I think I know Vargas went down. So they've had a lot of pitching injuries, I believe. Let me take a look. I know Vargas went down with some type of injury, and I believe somebody else did too. Like they lost today, thirteen to two. 
to the Red Sox. And the Red Sox have not been a good team this year. But hey, let me take a look at their roster, right? Uh, their injury update. Yeah, um, hold on, I'm getting to them. Here they are. Um, they have uh, Chris Medlin. Well, he, he hasn't come back yet. But Vargas and both Jordano Ventura are both were, are both on the 15-day DL. So that is one of the reasons why Joe Blanton was called up. But these injuries are hurting their team. And that, I think, let me look at their, I don't think they've been good the last couple. Yeah, is that their last time they've been 6-4. and four. They, I mean, so they've been playing pretty well even with this injured staff. I mean, I, I guess I really couldn't tell you why they've been so good. But the day Chris Young lost, uh, oh, yeah, Chris Young is a couple up, and he's been back and forth doing excellent and well. And I guess today was an off day for him. So I, I think eventually this pitching staff, if it continues the way it is, it's going to catch up to them, and they might fall below 500. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on, we got the Mariners do have a uh, a day off after their after their finale with the with the Royals, and then they face the uh, then they go to Los Angeles to face the Angels for three. Taiwan Walker will start, uh, of course, the first game for that, and then of course uh, J. A. Happ will pitch the second, and then if, then Felix we got for the finale. Um, first off, this series, um, I will say this. Um, I kind of see the Mariners taking two out of three in this series. The only reason I say that is because of J.A. Happ. I I don't have a a lot of confidence in him, but I do have confidence in both Taiwan Walker and and Felix Hernandez to go out and and pitch like they have been pitching. Yeah, I definitely agree, Mike. Happ's been getting pretty sketchy while Felix looks good, and so does Walker. I I think they're both going to go out there and have phenomenal starts. But I don't know about half. So I, I have to agree. I say they take two or three. So that means by the end of the week they would be they would be five and two. No, five and one. That's a pretty good week in the home stand. Definitely, and it w- and it would definitely help our our uh, our position our position in the American League standings as well. If the and here's the thing, the Astros again. The Astros, I I, I truly don't know how they have been in first place, but here's the thing. Um, I've said this all season. I've said this since the Astros have been in first place. They will not remain in first place because I will say this, no matter what people say, no matter how good people think they are, they will not keep this momentum up. They're going to lose it. I've seen it many times. I've seen teams just like this, have momentum like the Astros do right now, and they are going to lose that momentum and they are going to fall. They are not going to the postseason. And and you can, and you can quote me on this. You can even write my write this down right now. I'm saying it right now. This Astros team is going to fall truly hard. And I cannot. And and I will say this. I can and I will lick my lips when that day happens because people are saying, "Oh, this Astros team is going to win the World Series." No, they're not. They're not going to win the World Series. They have good pitching, but their hitting is terrible. We may have the worst hitting ball club in baseball, but we have pitch. We have better pitching. 
And we do have hitters. They, they may have had their struggles, but guess what? They're now finding their, their, their rhythm. They're finding the rhythm now. And when you have a Mariners team that finds that rhythm and is able to hit with the pitching that we have, you're in trouble. And again, the Astros, again, they're just not going to keep this momentum up. I don't see it. They're going to go on a long losing streak very soon. You watch. They're going to go on like a 15-game losing streak or lose 20 out of their next 15, 20 out of their next 25 games. You watch. They're not going to keep this momentum up. They are going to lose it big time. And when they do, the whole the whole bandwagon of the Astros who are saying, "Oh, we're going to the postseason," they're going to jump off that. They're going to jump off the bandwagon faster than people jumping off the Titanic to get to a lifeboat. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to fall, but it's definitely not good to have a guy like Chris Carter bang clean up with a 204 average, running Luis Valbuena out there every day with a .186 average. I mean, they got some guys here that, Definitely do not look like they would. They should be postseason hitters. I mean, while they've had some bright hitters, and while some guys like Correa and Preston Tucker, Preston Tucker, I'm sorry, and Domingo Santana have looked pretty bright. They've only been up a couple of days, and you know, over time, rookies will have their low points, and if those guys have low points. And you already know Carter, Valbuena are ha- are having terrible seasons. And Jason Castro, he's only hitting 225. <clears throat> you know, if those guys are doing bad, and the rookies are doing bad, who besides George Springer and that's a, George Springer and Altuve, who are the only bright spots of the offense right now, if those guys are struggling too, this team, like you said, is definitely going to go on a tremendous losing streak. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And here's the thing. Um, people are saying, oh, I can't wait till Kuma gets back. I can't wait till Paxson gets back. I have a news flash for you. This Mariners pitching staff, not including J.A. Happ, is terrific the way it is. Rowena Elias, he is one of... For crying out loud, if he didn't have those four losses, I mean, he should have like six wins under his belt right now. He truly should. Mike Montgomery, this is a rookie, and he's pitching like he's been in the big leagues for years. Taiwan Walker's pitching like a man on fire. Felix is the king. You know, so here's the thing. It's either Hisashi Wakuma or James Paxson. You choose one to replace J.A. Happ, to be truly honest. Because I'm fine with with Felix Hernandez, Taiwan Walker, Rowena Elias, and Mike Montgomery as our as four of our starters. So I you wish, take go ahead. I wish I would agree with you on that. You would have to agree with me? Yeah, having those four. Uh, they've all been excellent this season and I, I so I mean, Hap some down, somewhere down the road is going to be replaced by Evo Kumar Paxton. Yeah. So here's the here's the thing, Mariner fans, and you take your pick. Who do you want, Kumar or Paxton? Me, I would take I would take Paxton, no doubt. And here's the reason why: 
Hisashi Iwakuma, since last since coming off that injury last year, he's been terrible. He's not worth the money anymore. And here's the reason why. Japanese pitchers, when they come overseas, they are used to a six day rotation. They're not used to a six to a five man rotation. And you've seen what happens to good Japanese pitchers. They fall very hard. Daisuke Matsuzaka, Hideo Nomo fell, and his in in um, Masahiro Tanaka. He's not really pitching like he d- was last year, and now Hisashi Iwakuma. He's he's now one of the very he's another one of the victims of the Japanese uh, major league uh, experiments. I've seen it so many times. Japanese pitchers cannot pitch in the major leagues because they are too used to a six day. Um, rotation. And I've seen it too many times. So I would take Paxton because here's the thing. Paxton, even though he's had his struggles, he's pitched better than Kuma. He truly has. Kuma has pitched horrible this season. Yeah, I can't even remember a time this year when Paxton, I mean, when Kuma has pitched well. All I can remember is bad times and especially that game he pitched against the Red Sox. He was awful. He was terrible. He, his pitches were too elevated in the strike zone, and they were just hitting the ball off him like he was a batting tee. I mean, Paxton actually has gotten better over his starts. I mean, I remember before he went to DL, he was starting to get really better. I mean, his last seven games before he went on the DL, he's made uh, this year he's made ten starts. His last seven after getting off the DL, three three wins, two losses, two 2.08 year earned run average, and his whip went down to 1.22. I mean, he, he's getting it was he was getting better, and it's a shame that he won the DL. I think the spring training, having a limited spring training, really affected him, and he started looking well. On the other hand, Kuma has just been awful all season. I mean. I can't recall one game where he has stood out and looked amazing. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And uh, we're actually going to take uh, – I don't know. Uh, Dan, do you mind, like, staying for just a little bit longer, talking for talking a little bit more Mariners baseball before we go? I have no issue, Mike. All right, so we are going to take um, another break. And when we come back, we're going to – I'm actually – I think I want to talk about that. I kind of want to talk about um, – that little, that little, uh, that little bit of um, that type of situation. Because again, you know, you never know what you're going to get. So when we do come back, we're going to get more into uh, the Paxton Kuma situation because I think this is something that we really should talk about. So we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back.
And welcome back here to Mariners Talk. We are into uh, the two-and-a-half-hour point, and Dan is still with me, and I really do appreciate Dan uh, for sticking with me. Uh, And this is actually – and here's the thing, Dan, before we get on to what we were just talking about, uh, SportsCenter just tweeted this just uh, three minutes ago. uh, This just in the combined bid of baseball and softball are among eight sports shortlisted for inclusion – in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. <clears throat> so, first off, before we get into our topic, that's actually really interesting because um, I believe it was in 2008 that the Olympics completely um, decided to say, hey, baseball and softball, we're not going to have it no more. So that's very interesting because here's the thing. I love, I love watching um, – basically like the World Cup of baseball um, and softball. Here's the thing. I, I don't watch softball that much, but baseball, oh, God, I'll, I will watch it because here's the thing. I love watching the World Baseball Classic I, I tr- because here's the thing. The, the viewers, the views that the World Cup gets for soccer is unbelievable. And then when you have um, the, uh, the basketball, like the basketball World Cup or whatever, uh, the, the FILA basketball championships, I don't know. Um, it gets a lot of views as well. But the World Baseball Classic, it gets uh, way more views than basketball does. And it gets, um, I think, maybe half of the views that the World Cup gets. And here's the thing. I, I, I love watching the World Cup baseball. I, I truly hope that in um, – I think it is uh, – I think it is going to be in 2017 that the next one is. Let me go ahead and check because uh, let's go ahead and see. The next one will be, yep, uh, the next one will be in 2017. So it's basically the, the, the World Cup of baseball. And here's the thing. I love it. Loved it since day one. Um, and, and, and now that the Olympics are talking about uh, bringing both softball or both baseball and uh, softball back, I think that's really, I think that's very, uh, I think that's a good thing because here's the thing, I lo- truly, I think everyone, everyone enjoys baseball no matter what, and I think they enjoy it more when they see countries battling out for like the gold medal and everything, and the, and and the pride of being number the number one baseball or softball team in the world. I think that's, I think that's the best thing in the world. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a- any sport that's competing worldwide, it gains viewers and people take pride in their country. And it's it'd be great to see baseball back as a world, a world, uh, a sport that the world faces often. I mean, a lot of the world doesn't really get big baseball leagues like we have here in the U.S. and Canada and Major League Baseball. I I mean the only other really big countries that have been baseball leagues are probably like the Latin American countries or Jap- Japan and Korea. And when you bring the whole world into one big league, it gets the whole world involved. The third world countries or the smaller countries will get excited because they get to see something that many of their countries are a lot of fans of. But the league isn't big enough 
in their country, but and, or the or the competition isn't as great. When you have world baseball, you have great players from all around the world compete against each other, and that's very exciting to see. Especially, same goes for softball. Yeah, definitely. I I truly agree with you. Um, getting on to uh, back to what we were what we were discussing though, um, we were we were talking about both Isashi Wakuma and uh, James Paxton getting that final spot that we believe um, that that we truly believe may get the final spot for the Mariners rotation because let's face it, J. A. Happ unless he does pick things up, his his spot in the rotation is is in danger. He's in, he's truly in danger of losing his spot. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, he hasn't looked too well, and a lot of people say he has a better second half, but we we don't have the time to throw him out there and keep having mediocre performances and wait for that possible second half uprise. I mean, we are – I know there's still like 94 games left in the season, but we have – I mean – we're we're behind the Astros. We're behind the Texas Rangers, shockers, and we are behind the Angels. We need to do whatever we can to win baseball games. We're not like the 2010 to 2012 Mariners teams where we just try and play the young guys and see what we can possibly get out of these guys and possibly win. No, we are a team built to win now. And we need to put the best possible players out there to win that. Yeah, and 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 let's look at Jay Happ's um, uh, a game log real quick. Um, let's see. In the past, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight starts. Last eight starts, Happ has only had two quality starts. And when I say quality starts, I mean going at least seven innings of not allowing. Uh, Three runs or more, and uh, the la- uh, the first time he did it was against Boston. He went seven innings, given gave up one run. Gave, uh, it was a no decision that he took, and then the last one was against Tampa Bay, where the Mariners lost that one, um, one nothing. He went six seven innings, gave up no runs, uh, and he uh, gave up six hits. But in the eight starts that he has pitched, the last eight starts. The Mariners have only won two. They have lost the last five games that J.A. Happ has started, whereas the first um, his first seven starts, the Mariners won all but two of his seven starts. So that's five games that they've won with him. He got uh, three wins out of it, out of those uh, seven starts, one loss. But, again, since then... Happ has only gone into the seventh inning uh, twice. Or, excuse me, actually, uh, first eight starts, and then the last, uh, or first seven starts, he had, uh, the Mariners won that many games, and then in the last seven, last seven starts, actually, last seven starts for J.A. Happ, the Mariners have actually only won one game. So they've lost six out of the seven starts that J.A., the last seven starts that J.A. Happ has started. So that tells you something. And again, like you said, this team cannot afford to keep sending J.A. Happ out there because right now 
the Mariners are sitting. I I will say this. I think the Mariners are sitting pretty comfortably in the American League West. Again, we're only eight and a half back, so that's not a big deal. That's not really a huge deal because again, I do believe that the Mariners will come back um, and uh, and help this team, or excuse me, not help this team, but uh, uh, help the uh, uh, get back into the postseason contention. But let's go ahead and look at – I want to look at Hisashi Iwakuma's stats very quickly uh, because here's the thing. Let's see. Dating back to – all right, so here we go. Dating back to August 24th, all right? August 24th, Hisashi – here's Hisashi Iwakuma's uh, earned runs. 5-3-3-4-7-4-2. And since August 24th, let's see, he's won one. Uh, the Mariners have won uh, the, la- the last, uh, actually, the last six starts that Hisashi Yukuma was in. He, the Mariners won four and lost three. And he, t- in all those games, Hisashi, in all those losses, Hisashi Iwakuma took the loss. But this year, this year. He has been god-awful. Four runs, four runs, four runs. All games he's gone four runs. He has failed to get into... He's failed to even go more than six innings. And I think that's truly pathetic. Because, again, Hisashi Iwakuma, we're paying this guy a lot of money. This is not the guy that we... That, that 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 won 14 games in 2013, and then 14, and then 15 in 2014. This is not the guy that we are paying right now. This is a different Hisashi Iwakuma, and I truly believe. And here's the bad part: he's 34 years old. I don't I don't believe that he's made, that he is worth the money that we paid him, because to be truly honest, um, teams have finally figured. Teams started figuring figuring him out last year because his ERA jumped last year. From 266 to um, 352. Yeah, I mean, he definitely been getting, been getting figured out, and his stuff has definitely not looked as good. And there, there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, age number one, and as I've seen this year, he's pitching higher in the strike zone. Like he's not keeping the ball low, and at his age, it's not good to keep the ball high, unless you're Chris Young, and that works for him. But but let me let me tell you something. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at okay. So Sasaki Okuma, his curveball has dropped a full mile per hour down, and so has his. Uh, Foot finger pitch, which is probably one of his more used pitches. That, I mean, he's just getting older now, and he hasn't used his fastball nearly as much as he did last year. He used his fastball about 27% of the time last year, and this year 11.2. I mean, in baseball, your fastball has to be your go-to pitch in any situation they're having a hard time. If you don't have the confidence in your fastball, you are not going to be good at the major league level, especially if you can't do well mixing up your pitches. And with his velocity dropping mile per hour this year, 
guys are definitely going to figure out more, and he only has had three starts. But in those three starts, like you said, he has not looked good. And on the other hand, as I recall, Paxton was getting better as the season went on. And if it comes down to those two guys, who are the Mariners going to pick? The guy who's been declining or the guy who has been going up the escalator? I hope they pick the guy going up because they need what they need right now, and that is to win ball games. And I think Paxton gives them a better chance than Iwakuma at the moment. I agree. I, I, I truly agree. I mean, th- th- there's no logical ex- n- no logical pick than James Paxton. And I truly believe the Mariners will pick him above Hisashi Iwakuma. But again, I think what they're going to do is just, you know, test, you know, Paxton and Kuma and Hap and decide then. But if they do that, I have a bad feeling it may be too late when they do. Yeah, I mean, the guys who are in the rotation right now, I don't want to see Montgomery or Elias go and be switched with Iwakuma or Hap or Paxton. I mean, those two guys have been phenomenal. And just let them keep going out there until they mess up or start having bad start after start after start. I mean, these guys have been table setters so far this season for the rotation. They have been a bright spot. Bullpen, not the same way. The rotation has been great pitching, especially from Felix, Montgomery, Elias, and Walker. All those guys have been great this season. And that could be a solid chord moving forward. I mean, Montgomery's only like 25. Elias is like 22 and Walker's 22. And Felix is still not even 30 yet. I mean, you could build around those guys with Paxton for years to come. Yeah, you can, you can work around them. But, and, and again, you know, here's the thing. Um, People were saying that, oh, Paxton's going to be better than, uh, Taiwan Walker. Um, to be truly honest, Taiwan Walker has been better than Paxton. But again, it's been because Paxton has been hurt. But you know, we're not, I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and get into that. But you know, because it is late, and we, I think it is time to uh, to close the podcast for today. Um, we have gone over nearly three hours, so that's so that's been that's been fun to do that. I mean, heck, if you want to keep talking, if you want to keep going, Dan, I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, what what is there to talk about? <laughs> I think we've covered everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really know if we can really talk about the minor leagues right now because let's see how I want to see how Edgar does readjusting this lineup. I mean, it looks pretty good the first two days, in my opinion. I mean, he he's definitely made some sort of change. These guys are taking pitches, and it's wonderful. It is, it is. And, again, uh, we are going to close the podcast now. And, uh, Dan, again, thanks for joining me on the show. Again, a big another big shout-out to Braden Bishop for coming on the show. So this is both Mike and Dan signing off. And until next Sunday, go Mariners.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.